This week on the Tough Road Podcast, it's all about Italy. As we preview Italy versus the All Blacks with Marcelo to really see, can Italy actually beat the All Blacks? And realistically, what is success for Italy in the last two games of this Rugby World Cup? Enjoy. Hello, welcome back to Tough Road Podcast. I'm pleased to announce I've got the co-host of an Italian rugby podcast, Marcelo, but I'll let you introduce yourself, Marcelo. Let, let the listeners know where you can find you on before we get into it. Yeah, how's the... Um, so I'm the co-host of the Fratelli di Rugby podcast, uh, an English-speaking, Italian-based rugby podcast where we talk about everything to do with Italian rugby. Um, we've been running for a few months now, so uh, just kind of getting into this whole podcast world, which is very expansive. Um, but yeah, uh, Fratelli di Rugby, uh, if you go to our social medias, we're all over TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, uh, if anyone follows me on here, there's links to all that on my page as well. You can follow me, uh, my Italian rugby account, which is Il Tricolore, which is uh, Italia Rugby 96 as well. So if you follow me on any of those things, that'd be great. But yeah, happy to come on and try and try and convince myself that Italy are going to beat New Zealand in the biggest World Cup shock of all time on Friday. Yes, I know it's probably self-explanatory. This pod is all about Italy, New Zealand, because this week there really isn't. Um, well, obviously that this is a big game, but there's no real standout game other than Italy, uh, New Zealand. To be honest, like this is the big one in terms of what the big game is this weekend with all the home nations having a week off, other than Scotland, Romania. So it really is the North Hem- Hemisphere, anyway. It's it's the big one. So. Before we get into it, how so far it's been perfect for Italy. Two bonus point wins on the trot. That Uruguay one was slightly sticky, but once they got 15 men back on the pitch, there was no problem. Um, A lot of people, obviously, have already been talking about Ireland, New Zealand, New Zealand, South Africa. A lot of people have already been discussing the knockouts as someone covers Italy. Is that slightly offensive? Potentially that people do feel that it's a foregone conclusion when Italy have done everything they had to do so far. They've not put a foot wrong, basically. Yeah, look, I um I wouldn't say I'm offended by it. No, I think it's I think it's perfectly fair to to say that New Zealand are obviously huge favourites and 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 anything but a bonus point win for them is probably um still the the obvious thing to call for, and I don't necessarily blame anyone for thinking that. However, I think for maybe the first time ever, we go into a game against a side like New Zealand with a glimmer of hope. I mean, in years gone by, had this been at previous World Cups, we wouldn't even really be having this conversation. It would it would be a foregone conclusion that Italy would get beaten and beaten heavily. But now we seem to be in a place where people are talking about a potential upset and it's been a world cup where a lot of the tier two nations who have shown up and obviously we're not a tier two nation um but we are a team that is developing we're on the up we're progressing um and i think some people are thinking that we could cause an upset and it's at least being talked about which which is very positive uh for italian rugby very positive for us that that follow italian rugby as well so no, I'm not offended by it. Uh, I understand that it's um, New Zealand is still big favourites, and rightly so. You know, they're yeah, the New Zealand are historically the the biggest rugby club on the planet, and always have been. Um, the All Blacks, uh, as a franchise and as a brand, it's 
it's known worldwide, isn't it? So there's no there's no insult to people thinking that New Zealand are going to win this game and and people talking about them in the knockout stages before before this World Cup. We always knew it was going to, it was going to be a bit of an uphill battle to get out of this group and. Um, maybe if we were in any of the other groups, we would have probably stood a, a better chance. However, you know, we've uh, we came into this tournament needing to win our first two games, get 10 points from them, uh, score some tries, play some expansive rugby, uh, rack up some points. And yeah, Uruguay was a tough test, especially in that first half. Um, but again, lots of people were thinking that Uruguay were going to cause an upset that day, and we saw what they did against France. So to to come back and score, you know, thirty one unanswered points in that second half, um, and we looked really, really good in the second. So I'm pleased we've 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 done what we needed to do at this tournament. Make sure we come third. So now it's just about what can we do. Let's throw the kitchen sink at France and New Zealand, and there's no pressure, there's no expectation. So let's just see what we can do. Can do starting with starting with Friday. And do you think New Zealand naturally looking at it because obviously, uh. A win against either of them could possibly see Italy through, but do you think New Zealand was always naturally the game that Italy would be targeting because of the fact they play France so often, France know them so well, France have had their number recently and historically, whereas maybe New Zealand, not that they'll overlook Italy, but definitely New Zealand's focus would have been fully on France and especially after then losing that game, it it did seem that the likability of a win would come through New Zealand rather than France, with France being hosts. I actually have the the opposite view. Um, I thought that coming into this competition, given that we play France so often, was a, a positive for us. We obviously knew a lot more. We know a lot more about France. We've got so much more experience playing than we play them every year. And obviously in the Six Nations, we came within a whisker of, of beating them. So... And historically, we've never got anywhere close to New Zealand, although the record book does say that we drew with them at the last World Cup, nil-nil, thanks to the um, uh, the hurricane, I think it was. Um, so I actually think that going into this tournament, France would be the game for us. Uh, however, the way the group has panned out, France beating New Zealand, uh, you'd have to say that New Zealand are a side that are under pressure in this game. Uh, yes, they're big favourites, but there is an expectation that they should win. But there's also a pressure because if they don't, they face potentially going out. So they've got that and we've got that on our side, I guess, as a, as a positive. And given that we've still got another game to come after this, we got to play France in that final group game. This game feels like a bit of a free hit for us, if I'm being totally honest. Um, I've always thought that New Zealand play the, the just for me mentally the idea of thinking that New Zealand are a team to target I just I can't quite wrap my head around that that's never been something I've I don't think anyone's ever considered New Zealanders maybe now that they're not quite as sort of um, convincing as they were maybe in years gone by when they've been the standout team like you said there's now arguably four teams all competing for this Rugby World Cup, you'd think. Um, and New Zealand are probably, if that four, probably the fourth team that people might expect it to go and win it. And in the last 12 months, maybe you put those other three teams ahead of them. However, it's New Zealand at the end of the day and the team they've picked, they've gone, 
they've gone full whack, which I absolutely expected. Um, so no, I, I think <laughs> now that the group has panned out the way it has, you would look at New Zealand and think, you know, watching them play against that France team, you know, maybe we can, maybe we, we can sort of find a way against them more so than France, but um, I certainly wouldn't say it's the game we would have targeted. I think we've, we're treating these two games in the exact same way. It's just yeah, and if we you can do. win, if you can win one of the two. That type of approach, just give it the best shot on them both, and then hopefully one comes off. No, I get the logic, and even if that's not enough to go through, that'll be that'll be a successful World Cup for Italy. And in terms of World Cup history, you'll know better than me. How close have Italy been to getting out of the group, or is this the closest they've been? I.e., they're one win away. <laughs> Um, and basically, this is um, the last 16. Oh, now you're asking. Um, I think in 2007, we came very, very close. We, I, I can't remember the exact score, but I'm pretty sure Scotland beat us by three points in a final game. And if we'd have won, we'd have gone through. And I think that was the same in 2015. 07 and 15, we've come within a game of, of, of going through. Um, and each time we finished third. So this ne wouldn't necessarily be the closest we've come, although it feels that way because we seem to be on the right path as a, a as a country in the way we're playing. But these two games, it's it's just there's no there's no pressure, there's no expectation. Let's just give it a go. And I, and I and I think the team know they're capable. I mean, my podcast, the Philadelphia Rugby Podcast, we've spoken to quite a few of the boys in the camp and they're all, they all have huge confidence in their ability. They, the least surprising people, if we were to win, would be the team itself. Um, they are full of a very, very confident young bunch and that's what gives us so much confidence. Um, everything's geared for us towards 2027. You know, our team by that point will have got a lot more caps under their belt and uh, played a lot more rugby and that's what the target is. So this, remains a free hit and ultimately if we if we go and lose to New Zealand and France but we're competitive for 80 minutes and you know we we make a game of both those games that would also be a, a pretty big positive for us I think and just to put your mind to rest there it will I searched it up in 2015 it was 16 yeah. 16-9 against Ireland yes in really uh, yeah that was actually a lot closer game than people would think and a win would have put them very much in the equation for getting out there, yeah. which had Ireland and, and France, and so no, that's interesting that they they have. Good, that's good. Not... It's good that good that my memory didn't fail me. I was. Uh, no, you were right. Maybe not fully was, convinced was... on it, but you, you, there was something yeah, was telling you so. that was right, and yeah. you were correct. Um, and they give Ireland a good game. So yeah, they've had history of winning the, the winning the games they should have won and coming close in the games, the difference maker games, and this is obviously another one but in terms of the squad itself um a lot has not a lot have been made but obviously Garbisi was the main man coming into the world cup and he seems to have been shifted out into the centers um thomas thomas o. allen has played a big role now at fullback do you think it is a they've always just kept the team guessing or do you think that the slight tinkering is maybe a, a thing where they could be slightly changing the side a wee bit? I, I think for us Italian rugby fans, it's it's, uh, it's quite a hotly debated topic, the fly half position, because 
at club level, Garbisi plays the majority of games with Montpellier at 12. And this season, I think 75% of his minutes have been at inside centre. And when he's played there, uh, I think at, at times, obviously, he played there against Uruguay. It looks to be like that's where we see him long term. Uh, and I just think the qual- I think a lot of that has been a lot of that pressure to, to to kind of switch him there has also come from how well Tommaso Allen has played. He is he was terrific, I thought, for Harlequins. Whenever I watched him play, he was brilliant, um, both at ten and fifteen. Um, I just think as a fly half, Tommy Allen is is the one I go for personally. Yes, he might not be as um, have that sort of flair that Garbisi has, but his game management, his kicking, he just seems to be a bit more measured and controlled and pushing Garbisi up to 12 and having those two playmakers works really well for us because uh, we then have obviously the players out wide to do damage. You know, we've got some brilliant wingers. Obviously, Kapuotso playing at 15 is is the position where he is best because that's where he gets the most time. That's where he gets the most space. And when he's played on the wing so far at this tournament, he's looked a little bit isolated at times. So it was interesting to see that we've kind of shifted back to Garbisi at 10 uh, and Allen and 15 and Capuazzo at the wing because those three positions plus the scrum half uh, is where there is the most debate in this Italian squad at the moment that that front eight, that pack, it is arguably the best we've ever had. It is, there's just, in my opinion, world-class quality throughout from one to eight. Uh, we've got players like Luciani, Fischetti, who are world-class props. Uh, we've got Dino Lam, who's a really upcoming second row, and uh, and Ruzza as well, who's a brilliant a brilliant lock uh, in the loose uh, and in the line-out, and Seb Negri, who's just a, a bit of a beast, and we've got Arguably our player of the tournament, Lorenzo Canania A2, is just a, a freak, to be honest. So, yes, I think the squad, there are little tinkering bits because, and I think we're doing that because we're still a little bit unsure as to what we're doing. But for me, it seems to be that Gavici's position will eventually be 12, I think. Yeah, and as you say, like, even the fact... It's hard to call, and when team sheets come out, you know everyone's still a wee bit surprised. Whereas you got other nations where, like South Ireland, South Africa, like you know the team, you know you you know you, the average punter can nearly name name your fifteen. So that is quite interesting. The fact that, you know, you you are you Italian fans are when the team sheets come out, very much like oh oh this and that, but that'll keep New Zealand guessing too because they could have been preparing for different things. So. That's interesting. I know we spoke before the Six Nations about what success would be for Italy, and you were saying about a points tally rather than like trying to get wins, more like trying to be in game, picking up losing bonus points. Do you think two losing bonus points from these two games would be success, or is that very much negative thinking? Um, and just you'd rather get battered in one, and then win the other type thing. Ooh. Um. And then come out the World oh, Cup. Oh, like... oh, look! If you if you told me we were gonna win one of these games against France and New Zealand at a World Cup, I think I think I'd t- I think we would take that. Um, given the sort of how big that would be for us as a country, how what a statement that would be, and obviously given we've already won two, if 
if we potentially win one of those games. But if you're asking me before the tournament, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably definitely saying getting walloped in one and winning the other would, would definitely trump getting two losing bonus points. But I can see what your point is. And in a sense... And that's a lot of consistency it, across all four games. Yeah, I, I think I think if we were to come out of the group stage and finish third, but have taken 12 points uh, and taken a point off France and a point off New Zealand and the performances in those two games have both been very good. We have said, a lot of us have said, when we, we've spoken to Kieran Crowley on the podcast before and some of his coaching staff as well. And we are all confident that we can beat these two teams. We are confident and we go into the game wanting to win and knowing we can win if we play to the standard we're capable of. Obviously, that second half against Uruguay, if we put something like that together for 80 minutes, we believe that's good enough to beat anyone. It's the fact this side is still young, that we also had that first 40 minutes against Uruguay. And if you have even half of that against France and New Zealand, the game's done already. So we know we have to be pretty perfect um, to get out of it. But ahead of this tournament, it was about making sure we finished third, which we've done, 10 points from 10 two wins and then we can just absolutely go for it against these two teams and, and just no pressure, no expectation. Just let's just, let's give it our best shot. Let's give ourselves, let's give a really good account of ourselves. And as long as we do that, then we're, we're all pretty happy. No, I can see what you mean about the French game too. If potentially New Zealand have already topped the group, there might be some rotation ahead of a quarter final. It could be a scalp there. So yeah, although it was like the pool, pool of death for Italians, it definitely seems that some positives. And then just finally, as a nation, Italy, who who do you take inspiration from? Would it be likes of an Argentina or teams like that who were seen as a lesser side on the international stage in terms of never having qualified for a knockout and then just proving that once you get the infrastructure right, once you get the talent in the player pool, you can mix it, and now people expect Argentina to qualify for knockouts. Would that be a side, or 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 is there any other teams like Fiji and stuff, seeing teams reach the knockouts that, on paper and in rankings, were weren't meant to do it to show that it can be done, and more or less it will be done eventually for Italian rugby. The the honest answer to that is I don't think we look at anybody. I don't. We don't. We don't take inspiration for anybody. There's we are, as a country, as a squad, uh, in terms of our rugby side, we are confident of, of where we're going. We have um, the infrastructure underneath the sort of the two franchises in, in Benetton and in Zebra is not the way it has been, has been good, but there are still some, some things to wind out there. And I think ultimately what happens at club level and how we how we make sure that our young players that are playing in the under 18s and the under 20s are filtered through. That remains our biggest challenge. And a other things that are far too political for this podcast as well, that that don't help from time to time. Um, but generally speaking, we have uh, under 18 and under 20 level. We consistently for the last 10 years have been improving year on year. Our under-20s don't ever tend to really come anything lower than third or fourth in the Six Nations. 
the Six Nations gone by, we took a point from every single game and we came very close to beating France. We came very close to beating uh, to beating England. Um, so the player pool is there. Um, the fact that a lot of our players are starting to to not just play in Italy, they're going away and they're, they're playing in France and they're playing in the best leagues in the world. So that's massively positive. And the direction we're going in is is our own path. We we play our own brand of rugby. Um, but yeah, there are there are other things that sometimes might prevent us, but that's not necessarily anything to do with rugby. But yeah, I don't I don't think we're following anybody. We've got our own our own game plan. We've got so many good, especially sort of young coaches in a coaching perspective anyway, from uh, at club level. And there are so many players and the under 20s players coming through who obviously beat staff at the World Cup. And yes, we didn't have a very good tournament at that level, but we were expected to, you know, we should have really been in a semi-final at under 20 level, which would have been a huge achievement for Italian rugby. Um, so the players are there. Uh, it's about making sure that we are filtering them through and that they're playing at the right level and they're playing enough rugby that they then come through to the senior team. And and, and our aim for a long time has been 2027, four years' time when this young team are older, more experienced, and we've also got some of those very, very exciting players underneath that are coming through. And there are a lot of them that a lot of people won't know just because not many people pay attention to Italian club rugby, and that's perfectly fine, but we know that there is so much there's so much quality coming through that um we are all very confident that in in four years' time we're gonna be right there and if we can get a bit of luck with the draw and not draw France and New Zealand, um we're confident that twenty twenty seven will be the first time we we ever get out of a group and we qualify for quarterfinals and, and that's always been the yeah. end. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, I like your spin on it. So then the game against New Zealand and France is more for inspiring that next generation. Sure, absolutely, go, yeah. I think one step further, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it, that's it. You know, what we've done our job in terms of this this tournament. We've done what we needed to come and do. So now it's a case of, I keep repeating it, that's no expectation, no pressure. Let's just fully go for it. Let's play the brand of rugby we're all capable of. And let's show the world what we can sort of do. And the players, the younger players watching on and the players that are just coming into the system and people around the world are watching and, and, and Italians as well at home kind of finally starting to see that this rugby team is something to be very proud of and and a sport that is worth taking seriously back home. So, um, yeah, it's these two games are... A uh, 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 big in the sense of let's kind of inspire what's what's to come. Yeah, no, definitely that's a lovely way to wrap up and finish. No, a big thank you, Marcelo, for jumping on again. And if it's, if history is made, well, I'm sure I'll grab you again. But no, big thank you. Yes, you won't be able to hear enough from me if we if we if we win on. To anyone that's made this far in the podcast, follow follow us on all our platforms. Spotify at Top Road Podcast, Twitter Rugby Tell, Instagram Top Road Podcast, even on TikTok nowadays, we're everywhere at Tell Rugby. So please, follow us everywhere and we'll catch you next week.